Well, hey, Life Church, good morning to you all. It is so great to be with you this morning. Um, it real, feels strange for me, to be honest, because when I come here and I get the opportunity to speak with you guys, it just feels like this is home away from home for me. You know, I walk around the corridors and I get to see like Ryan and Dylan and Nando and Noah and all the boys and the guys. And these have just become, I guess, friends and many of whom it feels like friends who are starting to become family. So it really is incredible that I get the opportunity to be with you again. I mean, to be asked to come and speak once kind of blew my mind, but then the fact that they asked me back uh, was the biggest shock, but it's just brilliant to be with you. Um, I'm going to be honest and say, you know, if I lived in this area, I would just be with you at this church. I absolutely love Life Church, and I've got so much time and honor and respect and love for your senior leaders. Um, Just Pastor Aaron and Tammy are just incredible people. And let me just big on him for a moment, because I, I, I question that missions trip to Israel because it's convenient, isn't it, that that happens to have fallen on what is one of the coldest weekends when all the snow has come. I actually think that Aaron right now is just by a pool in Mexico. So when you see him, you can sort of say like, hey, pastor, how was Mexico, right? Um, I don't think he's in Israel at all. But, but you know, let me tell you about him. Um, Right now, uh, Ryan's correct, we started the church just with 10 of us in a living room in Liverpool, England, where going to church is not the norm for everybody. And we just sincerely prayed and asked that God would one day use us to just help reach hurting and lost people. And you know what, we've seen incredible things happen in our city and in our church, and I count it a privilege that I get to play a small part of that. But, but let me tell you right now, people look at where we are and what we're doing. I don't necessarily agree with this, but some might say, you know, there's a certain measure of success or whatever that might mean. But let me tell you, there's a lot of people now that kind of want to hang out and want to meet and want to talk church. And, and let me tell you, in the early days, nobody wanted to do that. Absolutely nobody was interested. Your pastor was different though. He kept flying over all of the time to the UK and he would spend time with my wife Emma and I and our teams and just input and sow life seeds into the depths of our hearts. So I just wanna kinda say, you know, I genuinely believe that he is one of the most sincere and kindest and generous and authentic followers of Christ that I've ever met. And it's an honor for me that I get to call him my friend and he's your pastor. So come on, let's give it up for Pastor Cole right now. Hey, um, I, get to, I get to talk to you about a subject that I think that affects us all in our series called Invisible Matters. And I think that it's something that we all struggle with at times because I think what we'll find today is this is gonna be something that matters so much to God and often it doesn't matter a great deal to us. We're gonna talk about a problem that we all face when it comes to spending time with God and yet it's clear that it is so important and high on His radar and yet sometimes in our life it just seems to not even flash on the radar at all. We're gonna talk about this idea about how spending time with God can change your entire faith life completely. But if we're honest, it's not an easy thing to do. If I were to ask you a question and say, by show of hands, and we're not gonna do that, but if I were to say, how many of you remember like the first five prayers that you ever prayed, or can you remember where you were? Chances are not many of you would be able to recount what you prayed or the location where you're at, and I am no different. But when we first started church, I do remember one of the first times anybody asked me to pray for them. 
We were meeting in this really ropey, dodgy hall, and there was about 20 people in the room, and we thought it was awesome, but honestly, it was terrible. And we were like trying to make out like, hey, you should come to live for one church. This is awesome. And really, we were like, man, this sucks. This, this is terrible. This is really bad. But at the end of one service, this guy just kind of came in, and he said to me, uh, are you the pastor? I said, yeah. He said, will you pray for me? And I was like, yes. Inside, I'm like, this is my moment to shine. Like, this is it. And he goes, I want you to pray for my hearing. And I said, I am the guy for that. Absolutely. I said, look, I just want you to know, I am full of faith. In fact, I believe in all of the scriptures that recount the occurrences where Jesus traveled from town to town with all of these people and he would conduct miracles. He would see the blind have their sight restored to them, the deaf be able to hear again. Sometimes he would even conduct miracles where the dead were brought back to life. So I said to him, I'm a man of faith, so I will absolutely pray for your hearing. Now, I didn't really know what I was supposed to do. I'm a young pastor learning my trade on the job. So I kind of said, I'm going to put my hands on your ears. And he was looking at me a bit weird. I'm like, just roll with it, brother. Just roll with it. So I've got like my hands on his ears and I just start to screw my eyelids really tight because that's what you do when you're praying seriously, right? You screw them real tight. And I just started to pray like, Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus that you will just heal this man's hearing. I pray that you will supernaturally touch him, that God, that you being the one that knows everything that's going on in his body and that you would just kind of turn this whole situation around. And have you ever done this when you're praying, maybe for someone or in a group? You kind of like, you've got your eyes closed like this, but then you kind of open half of one eye because you just want to see what's happening in the room. Well, well, in that moment, I did that with this guy and I kind of like, I'm praying with my hands on his ears and I half open one eye just to kind of see how he's responding. And he stood there like that. And I'm kind of feeling like, Am I doing this wrong? Am I screwing this whole thing up? And I say to him, like, is everything okay? And he just goes, no. He says, pastor, I want you to pray for my hearing. I said, absolutely. And I'm a man of faith and I'm praying for your hearing. He goes, no, pastor, I want you to pray for my hearing. I'm in court next Tuesday. And I was like, oh, that type of hearing. Okay, okay, right. That kind of hearing. I got you now. I read you. So... So when it comes to prayer, if we're honest, it can be kind of awkward and it can feel a little bit weird sometimes, especially because when we consider spending time with God and how prayer is such a key component of that, the reality is is that sometimes we just don't know what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to approach that subject. And often our thinking is skewed a little bit because of our background, our context, our upbringing. Because if you're anything like me, maybe you went to a school where in assembly every single day you would pray a prayer. And then at the end of assembly you would recite the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven. And you would do this religiously every single day. In our primary schools, year five, I'm about 10 years of age, I remember having a teacher called Mrs. Reynolds. And every single day before we were allowed to leave school and go home, she made us stand behind our chairs and recite this prayer that she would teach us all. Lord, Keep us safe this night and secure us from all our fears. May angels guard us while we sleep till morning light appears. And that was kind of like how I thought we were to pray, by simply reeling off all of these recitals that we would learn as we grew up. Some of you, your way in which that you pray to God is shaped by how your mum and dad taught you to pray your nighttime prayers. Some of you, your prayers at the dinner table. Some of you have maybe even been given a prayer book and now you think, well, if you're ever going to pray to God or if you're ever going to spend time with God, then it has to come out of a prayer book. And when we consider in the main the way in which most of us pray, 
if we're going to have an honest moment, maybe you're like me. If you look back on how you pray, what you find is most of the time you end up saying prayers like, God, would you give me, get me, rescue me, bless me? Would you provide for me? Will you protect me? Like, God, will you do all of this stuff for me? And then, of course, there's some of you that maybe you just don't pray at all. I mean, you tried it once or twice, but as far as you're concerned, it didn't really work. So now you just simply choose not to pray because you didn't get the answer that you were hoping for. And now your perception of prayer and God is like that of a vending machine. It's like you've put your money in and you've pressed D3, but instead you get A1. And you're like, man, this thing just does not work. What is the point in doing this? And then there are others of you who maybe you haven't stopped praying You haven't stopped spending time with God, but you do it because you kind of feel like you have to and you're more worried about something bad happening if you were to stop. So you don't really see the point in it. You're like, man, I don't really buy into this. I'm not really convinced about this at all. But just in case something bad happens, then you might as well continue with it and stick with it. And then, of course, there are all the different sad, sorry stories. And we've probably all, each and every one of us have got one to share, right? I mean, maybe you've prayed to God and asked him to heal an uncle who got sick. And all the more you prayed, it felt like he just kept on deteriorating and getting worse. And it just doesn't make any sense to you because you're like, God, don't you know that my uncle was a great guy? Like, why didn't you just heal him? Why didn't you just make him better? Why didn't you just fix him? And now you've decided, well, I'm just not going to pray at all. And it's confusing. It's complex. It doesn't make sense. And it can be frustrating. If we're honest, many of us look at prayer and spending time with God almost like it's the good luck charm. Because sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It feels so hit and miss. How come you can pray for one family that their kid gets into their most desirable school and he gets in, and then another family doesn't? Like, it worked there, but it didn't there. Like, how come you can pray for one person to be made well when they're sick, and then another, it just doesn't happen that way? There's a beautiful family in our church back in Liverpool right now and their 15-year-old daughter has spent the best part of one year in hospital. And she just travels between the best hospital in Liverpool uh, and the best hospital in London. And everyone's trying to figure out like what it is that's going on with her. And man, I'm praying earnestly for this young girl. And right now to date, like we've just not seen anything happen. We've just not seen any progress. It just feels like, man, this is just hit and miss. And then of course, there is the church problem with prayer. The fact that the church is full of Christians and what we say to each other doesn't always help. Because what we like to say to people who aren't getting the answer that they want from their prayer life is, we say things like, uh, maybe you're not getting that because you haven't got enough faith. (laughs) Well, if you've ever had anybody say that to you, you're like, are you for real? Are Are you serious? Because all I have got is faith. I've got nothing else but faith. And now you're like, I'm being told that it isn't even enough. But Jesus, what I find is hilarious, he completely undermines that argument, right? Because when Jesus comes on the scene, he turns around and he's like, hey, just so you know, everyone, just to make sure everyone's on the same page, if you've got faith that's just the size of a mustard seed, that that thing can accomplish so much for you and for the kingdom of God. But nonetheless, it can just get confusing. But what if we're missing the point? What if we're getting this whole thing wrong. Like what if the main purpose of us spending time with God is not about reciting to him a prayer that we learned when we were a child? What if there's more to spending time with God 
than simply reciting off a list of God, can you get me, can you give me, can you bring to me the wife, the perfect husband, the new job, the increased salary package. What if there is more going on when it comes to God's desire for you to spend time with him? Like what if the reason that prayer feels so complex and so random and complicated at times is because it was never designed to be about you getting your needs and all of your desires met? What if there was something way bigger and more important actually going on when God had placed it as being something of huge importance to him that we as followers of him would spend time with him? Especially in prayer. What if we've been getting it wrong? But I know what you're thinking right now. You're thinking, oh, please don't be the guy that tries to teach us anything about prayer. Because like, seriously, I know about prayer. If you're thinking that right now, I'm the same as you. I'm kind of like, man, I know what prayer is. Prayer is talking to God and you can do it anywhere, everywhere, in any situation. That's all there is to it. But actually, if you're thinking that right now, the same thing that I was thinking, I think that we're all thinking the same thing that a group of people that had a conversation with Jesus were thinking also when Jesus started to have a conversation with them about how to actually pray. Because in a moment, we're going to go to the scriptures that record a conversation where Jesus is having the only conversation where he's saying, hey, listen, one-on-one, if you want to know how to pray, then I'm going to give you a perfect example of what you need to do. And if I'm honest, I think that if you're anything like me, you'll probably be a little bit shocked by what we're about to find that Jesus says about this issue of spending time with him. So we're going to go to Matthew 6, and it's quite a famous passage of scripture. It's where we're first introduced to the Lord's Prayer, although that's not going to be our main focus this morning. What we are going to do is jump straight into Matthew 6, verse 5. And this is Jesus talking to a bunch of people, and he's kind of saying this. Hey, listen, when it comes to spending time with God, you've got to know this. There are some things that are so important to God that just don't seem to be important to you. And there are some things that you think are so important that actually they're not important to the Father at all. So let's jump in and go from verse five and see what Jesus has to say on this subject. So, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. I want you to just notice before we go any further, I just want you to see what the very first thing that Jesus starts to talk about when he talks about prayer because it's not what you'd expect to find. The very first thing that Jesus mentions on this subject is this. He says, when you go to pray, location counts. Location is important. Location really matters to God, which is funny, because it's never really mattered to me. And it's funny because it's something that I've never really considered. Because what I like to believe is in the main that you can just pray to God when you're in the shower, right? You can just offer up a prayer and you can spend time with God whilst you're doing the dishes and trying to feed the kids at tea time, right? I like the idea of being able to just spend time with God whilst I'm driving on the motorway, heading into work, doing my makeup. And that's just the boys, right? (laughs) I like the idea, though, of just being able to pray as you go, to pray anywhere about anything at any given time. I like the idea of being able to pray in the waiting room 
whilst I'm waiting to find out the results from a job interview. And I can pray, God, please give me the job. Please give me the job. Please give me the job. I like the idea of being able to pray when I'm younger and I'm traveling home in a taxi after a night out and I pray, God, please don't let my parents still be up. Or I pray prayers like, Lord, would you just remind me, is it step number four or seven on the staircase that creaks really badly and whenever you stand on it, it wakes the whole house up because I could really do with knowing which one to avoid right now. I just like the idea of being able to pray anywhere, anytime. But when Jesus is talking, he kind of says this, uh, just so you know, guys, What's actually important to God is often not always important to you because location counts. He was saying that there is a proper and an improper place to pray. Jesus was saying, you've got to know that when it comes to spending time with the Father, it's not always about what you do and what you say, it's about where you go. So let's look further and see what he says. He says, For they love to stand praying in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. So now Jesus is saying, there's a bunch of people that think it's so important to pray to God in a way that is going to have attention drawn towards them. He was saying there's a stack of people that think that the way to pray is to do it in public, do it in the church, do it loudly, do it on a street corner, do it in the synagogue. But whenever you're praying, make sure you do it in such a way so that other people will say about you and the way that you pray, wow, isn't that a great prayer? Can you just listen to the passion? And can you just listen to the way that he can recite scripture to God as though he wasn't actually the one that inspired the very word in the first place? Isn't that incredible? Isn't his theology just wonderful? Jesus was saying, if that's the reason why you pray, if your only intention is to get other people's attention, he was like, no, you don't want to do that. That's crazy. That's not what praying is about. So now he says, look, if that's what you think prayer's about, then you've got your reward right there. And it's in the clapping of the hands of those that are around you and watching you. And then verse six, he goes on and he says, but when you pray, go into your room and close the door. Because location is important. Uh, yeah, but hang on a minute, Jesus, can't we pray anywhere? And Jesus was kind of like, well, Look, I'm, I'm giving you a guideline here for how you can pray effectively. I'm giving you a template here for how you can go ahead and spend time with God. Yeah, but the thing is, Jesus, is my life's really busy and you know my schedule and I've got the new job and the travel and we've got kids and life is busy. So it's okay for me to just kind of pray as we go, right? And Jesus was like, well, I'm trying to tell you how to pray. Yeah, but the thing is, Jesus, it's okay if I just pray to you whilst I'm traveling to work and I'm on the bus or I'm on the train doing the daily commute. That's where I'm going to spend time with you. Is that okay, Jesus, with my earphones in, with a bit of a book, looking out the window? And Jesus was like, well, the thing is, guys, when it comes to spending time with God, location counts. He was saying that when you pray, location comes in to play. Yeah, but hang on a second. Isn't God everywhere? Well, yeah, he is. But Jesus was like, guys, do you want to know how to pray or not? You know, for any of you who are married, you will probably know that boys and girls 
we kind of see our relationships a little bit differently. Here's a photograph of my wife. She's called Emma. She's beautiful. She's amazing. She's absolutely like the better part of me for sure. And she's a fantastic mom. But we really do see marriage so differently. So my perception of our relationship and our married life is kind of like this. Like years and years ago, when we got married, I recognized that Emma walked down the aisle and then we exchanged solemn vows at the altar. And I said to her, I do. And my perception of our married life right now is kind of, well, hun, if anything changes, I'll let you know. But I said I do, and I kind of, I'm going to continue to mean I do, and if anything kind of changes, I will let you know. But Emma sees married life completely differently to me. She kind of has these moments, kind of often actually, where she comes to me and she says, hey Luke, um, I don't feel very close to you. Uh, There's no problem between us. There's no conflict. And I know that we're getting on just fine. And I know that we're managing to get through all of our schedule and the things that we need to do. And we're sorting out the kids. And we not only like live together, sleep together, eat together, but we work together as well. So sometimes we have that added pressure to kind of work our way through. And she's like, I know there's no problem, but I just don't feel close to you. So what do I do? I do what every guy does. I go, well, if you're saying there's no problem, why are you making it out to be a problem? I don't see that there's a problem. I don't feel distant. I don't feel close. I don't know what the matter is. I think everything's just great. She's like, no, no, listen. It's like we're talking all of the time and we're communicating about all the stuff that we need to do and work our way through, but I just don't feel intimate in our conversation with you. Like, I know that we're we're getting on and there's no problem, but I just don't feel close to you. It's kind of like, Have you ever been on a drive with your wife or your husband and you get to just sit in the car next to each other for a couple of hours and all of a sudden you start conversing and you're kind of like, oh, I remember you. That's kind of what our married life can feel like sometimes. It's kind of like, oh, I remember that. Because there is a world of difference between just having the day-to-day conversation in the kitchen about the kids and what we're going to eat and where we've got to go and what we've got to do, and then intimately conversing in a restaurant until you get kicked out. The, The conversation and the level of that is just worlds apart. And I think that that's a mirror image of exactly what God, our Father in heaven, wants with you. And I think that that's why Jesus is saying what he is in this passage. He's not saying that you can't ever pray on the go. Of course you can. But it just can't be the mainstay way in which you choose to spend time with God. He was saying, there's a better way. God wants something more for you. So he goes on and now he's talking about prayer. And he says, so when you're in your room and you've closed the door and you've removed all of the distractions because God doesn't want to share you with anybody, he says, and pray to your father who is unseen. I just love the fact that Jesus goes on record and recognizes something that I think we all struggle with. The fact that when we go to pray to God, our heavenly father, you can't see him. And sometimes that can be frustrating and make our communication with him all the more, a little bit more challenging. And Jesus was like, yeah, I get it. Like you can't see your heavenly father. I'm with you. I understand. It can be complex at times. And then he says, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Like, just think about that for a moment. Jesus is saying, not like when you just pray on the go, anywhere, everywhere. Jesus is saying, when you go into a room, go into a place, find a bench and close the door and remove your world from all of the distractions, the notifications on the mobile phone, Netflix, the screaming kids. When you go into a space and you intentionally choose to spend time and get close with the Father, 
there is a promise. And he says, just so you know how this works, your Father in heaven will reward you. You know what he's saying right there? He's saying, your Father is going to repay you when he sees you carving out time, intentionally deciding to get close to him and spend time in his presence. Now, it doesn't mean what I want it to mean. And that's a shame, I've got to be honest with you. What I want it to mean is that he will reward me by just saying yes to all of my prayers. That's what I want. I'm like, look, that's how I read that scripture. If I'm going to come into a room, close the door, remove all the distractions, then what I want is like God to give me everything that I ask for. But Jesus is like, yeah, by the way, that's not how it works. He will reward you in the sense that he is going to repay you back for all of the time that you spend with him. But it doesn't mean you're always going to get a yes to every prayer that you pray. And as I look back on my life, I'm really happy about that. Because when I was 17 and I've just passed my driving test, oh, man, I was praying that God would just get me a Porsche 911. And I'm still devastated that it didn't happen to a certain extent. But if I'm really honest, I'm grateful that I didn't end up with a Porsche 911 at 17. Because I'm convinced that I would have killed someone or killed myself, right? And I think that that's how our Father in heaven, who is all-knowing, looks at some of the prayers that we praise. Like, if I gave you that, that would, that would hurt you, that would damage you, it wouldn't help you. There's something bigger going on. But he will absolutely repay you and reward you for the time that you spend in secret with nobody else around and nobody else knowing, just carving out time, spending it with him. Verse seven, and then he goes on and he says this, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans for they think they're gonna be heard for their many words. Now Jesus is saying, look, whatever you do, don't think that when you pray to God, that he's gonna take you more seriously because of the quantity or the quality of your words. He was like, no, it just doesn't work like that. That's not how this thing goes. If you think that that's how God our Father is gonna respond to you in prayer, he was like, you don't understand his character at all. That's just not who he is. It's not how this thing works. And then in verse eight, he says this, do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you even ask him. Well, wait, hang on a second. That right there is a game changer. Your father knows what you need before you even ask him. Uh, is anybody else thinking, so why are we praying then? <laughs> is anyone else thinking, uh, hang on a minute, like God, you know everything that there is to know. Why, why am I even praying to you? Why am I even spending time with you? Like, you say that you know everything that I need before I even ask you. Why am I even giving time up for this? Now, if you're thinking that right now, you're thinking the same thing that I've thought. And can I just say, if you're thinking that, I think you're onto something. I think now you're really onto something that God wants not only from you, but for you. Because Jesus is trying to explain, you know, look, this is how it is. If the only experience that you've ever had of spending time with God in prayer is by reciting some prayer or reading something out of a book or, or doing it in some kind of religious recited way, he was saying, you're completely missing the picture. 
He was saying, look, guys, if the only time you pray, it's when you've got like this incredibly long list of like, God, I need this. God, I want this. God, I desire this. And I know you can get me this. If that's the only time that you spend time with the Father, if that's the only way that you pray, it's kind of like, no, no, you're missing out on the whole bigger picture. So now when he says, just so you know that your heavenly father, he knows everything that you need before you even ask. Doesn't it then make you go, so what is the point of me praying? Now you're really onto something. Because the whole point of you carving out time and spending it with your heavenly father daily is not about giving him your lists of asks and requests. It's because he, as maker and creator of heaven and earth, wants intimate conversation with you. No matter who you are or where you're from, that's what he desires for you and from you, that you would know him in a real and authentic way that you can live life at times when it feels crazy on the outside and yet be at perfect peace on the inside. That there's a greater reason behind you spending time, carving out time and praying to Him that you would know who God is and that you would know that you are known by your heavenly Father in heaven because he wants that type of close, real, authentic, and intimate relationship with you. But the real question is, are we willing to give him that? A place where we shut the door and remove all of the distractions. Because don't get me wrong, Jesus wasn't saying, look, you can never come to God with your asks and requests. He wasn't saying that, right? Neither was he saying every time that you pray, you must go into a room and close the door. He, he, he knows that there are going to be times that we should be praying continuously, right? In every day, in every way. But he was saying, don't let that be the mainstay of the way that you communicate with our Father in heaven. Because there is something more going on. Because otherwise you can spend your entire life asking God for the thing or the it and miss out on Him. The main reason, the main purpose is that you would know God and know that you are known by Him. That wherever you are, wherever your life is heading, that you would know that God is with you. So Life Church, it's an absolute honor as it always is that I get to bring a talk to you. But in closing, I would really love it if I could just pray for each and every one of us, just as a church family, that we would all start the year outright by intentionally choosing to spend quality time with God our Father. Because I promise you this, by building a healthy habit like this in your faith life, it can change everything. So let's close our eyes and bow our heads. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you help us all here today to make what matters to you matter to us the most? And as we say we follow you, Holy Spirit, 
would you lead us and guide us and direct us to actually follow you by living according to your teachings and not simply being aware of them? Would you help me? Would you help us to do what you say and not just be observant of it? And when it comes to spending time with you, praying to you, talking to you, help us build a habit, a healthy habit of intimate conversation with you in a place, in private, with the door closed, zero distractions, so that we would know you and that we would know that we are known by you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.